My name is Vaughn Narcisse. I am a uh, Black Rock attendee for the last 13 years. Been attending here since we moved to Connecticut with my wonderful family. I'm married to my beautiful wife, Sonia. We have two wonderful children. When I'm not being a husband, and I'm not being a father, and not being a, a friend, if you will, to um, those that are close to me, um, I'm a friend to the rest of the world. I'm a police officer at, at Yale University. I'm a captain. I'm in charge of our patrol operations, which is our uniform division. I report up to an assistant chief. I've been in public service for 30 years. So 22 of them have been in policing, um, with 13 out here on the East Coast and the other uh, seven, almost nine actually, on the West Coast. I've also been a, an investigator with the Public Defender's Office and a juvenile probation officer, so I have different perspectives on what it's like and what it means to serve others. And I've taken all of those experiences and, and with the foundation of Christ and being a believer, um, helping me to make sure that I don't go into the judgment zone on others. But at the core, public service is, is what I'm here for, and uh, it's something I take very seriously, and, and God is at the front of that. When people see me in the uniform, you know, I could be a friend, I could be a foe, I could be an unknown question mark. What I want people to see is a human being. I want them to see that I am a person that has feelings, I have memories, I have concerns and cares, that I care about them. And that would be the greatest takeaway that, hey, that was a human being that I just spoke to. He happens to be a police professional, but he's a human being. For me, serving others means to try and, and see what you can do to help someone's quality of life. A lot of times folks come to us or we come to them in their darkest times. Uh, they may not be at their best. And one thing we have to make sure we don't do is judge people, especially in those moments. It can be easy to do, but it's not right. We have to focus on being there to figure out what we can do to help this situation. What can we do to help them regain that quality of life so that they can resume that path and, and be happy? I mean, being a black man and a black police professional has been very unique. We look at right now, I mean, let's be honest, there's a, there's a ton of stuff that's been happening and people are in pain, people are hurting. And as police professionals, we number one have to acknowledge that that pain is there. And then we have to figure out how we forge together to go forward. For years, policing has been an at you type of a uh, profession and it doesn't work that way. We have to police with our community. And that means you need to sit at the table, listen, be actively listening, and work on solutions together. Because if, if people don't feel like they're being heard or they feel demeaned or devalued, you're not going to make the progress that you need to make. And you can't fake that. You have to be sincere, you have to earn that. I've seen things in the uniform and being a civilian where I know what the right thing is and sometimes that doesn't always happen. And so in my profession now, I'm able to coach that up when I see it or when one of my supervisors sees that or an officer sees it. And uh, if you can't be coached back up, then you're not gonna keep your badge. And it's very difficult to get this badge that we have, but it's not something that you just get and keep. You have to get it and earn it every day, on duty and off duty.
A couple of things that I'm doing in, in our community to try to further our community and oneness, and one of them is within the um, policing ranks. I have an endorsement to teach a ethical decision-making course, and within that course, I've been able to morph it into um, a, a significant section of it, which I call Charm School. And what that is, is basically um, helping officers understand that words matter and what you say to people, um, you need to understand how that's being received. And if it's being received in a negative tone or it being perceived as disrespectful, you need to know that. You also need to know how that feels so that you not only recognize it a lot faster, you know that that's nowhere you want to be. Christ has significantly impacted you know, my sense of community and how I do my job. There are six principles of nonviolent reconciliation that Dr. Martin Luther King created. And one of the, uh, the principles is number two, it's the beloved community is the framework for the future. And to me, that is, this speaks volumes because it, it not only ties into Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, I think verse 27, but it's the foundation that we are all one. We don't always have to agree on everything, but we can disagree respectfully. So what I want to do and I've been trying to do my entire life is to, to just create bridges, move the obstacles on the bridges out of the way so there are healthy communication lines so people can be heard and speak. And as I've mentioned, you know, there's pain out there, real pain. And if that's not acknowledged, progress won't be made when progress should be made. We have to understand that there are some things that have gone on that should not have. So what can we do going forward to make things better? What part can we own so that we can hear our community and be respectful and be empathetic and be sincere because you have to do all of that and then you have to be accountable. My hope on how we go forward from here is that we go forward together. Um, the, the verses in Corinthians chapter 12 speak about it. Um, the, the, the philosophy of Dr. Martin Luther King speaks about it. It's, it's clear as day that we're stronger together. My name is Chris. And my name is Doug. Doug and I have been going to Black Rock Church for several years, but we have never met. When the Summer Ownership Series on Just Mercy was announced, my wife and I felt led to offer a Zoom discussion group as we really thought it would enhance our experience of the book, uh, this important book on uh, racial injustice, if we had an opportunity to discuss it with other members of the congregation. So many persons signed up for the discussion that my wife, Dion, and I were asked to lead a second Zoom group. We met Doug and Penny when Caleb facilitated a meeting of the entire ownership seminar. As our series were ending, many people in both of our groups had asked to continue our conversations on race. So I asked Chris if he'd be interested in co-leading another ownership series with me using the book by Tony Evans that our elder board had read and recommended. I agreed to co-lead with Doug and we really connected during our planning session for the next series. That series had a multiracial um, group and there were frank and open discussions about racial reconciliation from a kingdom principle. Before the series, not only Chris and I had never met before, but we had not met most of the people from our group. By the end of the series, we'd become a really close-knit group, uh, having real discussions about how to further racial unity through our faith and really caring about each other, all via Zoom. <laughs> which was not amazing to me, but I think really proves you know, how the Holy Spirit can work far beyond you know, our expectations.
I now have uh, Doug and Chris here together, and I can confirm that beyond our expectations, the Holy Spirit works through Zoom. Uh, it's uh, what an honor to uh, be a part of uh, seeing you uh, kind of see each other for the first time uh, in the flesh. And, uh, <laughs> uh, it's really emotional to uh, watch as you guys see the lower half of your bodies for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I love your, your friendship. Uh, I love uh, how you have this common love uh, for Jesus, uh, now a common love and brotherhood uh, together, but you also have a common purpose, and that is to break down uh, racial separations between people, and uh, especially in the church where we can really be brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. And uh, I just I think that this is such a beautiful uh, expression that you two have uh, kind of had this common uh, partnership together uh, that really speaks to what the Apostle Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in terms of us being a body uh, where we uh, listen to each other and particularly where we uh, listen to uh, when one part of the body hurts, letting that uh, part of the body share uh, what they've experienced. And uh, I know this has been uh, something that, that you've both kind of been committed to, this idea of uh, allowing people to share uh, their stories. And I know, Doug, uh, you and I as non-black members of this body, uh, we're committed to uh, hearing about how the black members of the body have experienced uh, the ongoing um, destructiveness of racism. And, and, and you've both uh, led these uh, book studies, first Just Mercy and then now Oneness Embraced. And uh, you've allowed black members to uh, share some of the, their painful stories. Chris, could you just share uh, what you've heard on this topic? Thank you, Pastor Steve. So the members of the Oneness Embraced series have shared a wide spectrum of racial um, experiences with racism. Um, I will share one of mine personally, mm -hmm. um, which is on one end of the spectrum, and then I'll share another story of another member from the group. So for my story, it goes back about three years ago when my daughter was in um, high school. She was a senior at the time, mm -hmm. and she was applying for colleges. Now, I had quite a few friends that was in the same stage of life. Their children had either just started college mm -hmm. or they were seniors applying for college. And so that was a topic of discussion oftentimes when we spoke on the phone or mm -hmm. when we saw each other. Where are they going to college? Where are, yeah, they, where yeah. are they going to college? So yeah. one, one evening we went for dinner and um, I was asked a question by a friend of mine who just happens to be white. Mm -hmm. um, have your daughter decided where is she going to college? And mm -hmm. I was excited. I said, yes. We decided on UConn because UConn offered her a full scholarship. Uh -huh. His immediate response was, you know she got that scholarship because she's black. Because she's black. Because she's black. I mean, and yeah. so I was taken aback <laughs> and I said, no, it was a merit-based scholarship. I think the Lord is just rewarding her for her hard work. Yeah. She has a very good GPA average, a very excellent SAT scores. And he stopped me and said, there is a lot of brilliant white children in Connecticut who never get those scholarships. The colleges need to have a quota of black people. Mm -hmm. She got that scholarship because she's black. Yeah. 
No, I was stupefied at the time. I didn't know what to say. So yeah. I changed the conversation, started talking about basketball or yeah, something right. else. So that's one end of the spectrum. That was a hurt. Uh, it was a definitely it, it, hurt. Um, it hurt me. Yeah. And when I shared this with my family, it, everyone was very hurt. Yeah. You know, so that's one end of the spectrum. You call say. that a microaggression. Uh, that's correct. Yeah. But there's the other side of the spectrum. What's yeah. The... So there's a couple that came to the Oneness Embrace series. Mm -hmm. And this is a white woman married to a black man. Okay. And they shared with us that they took the grandkids to the mother's home. Mm -hmm. And the mother's or the parents of the, of the mother yeah. response Grandparents. Was, of, grandparents uh, yeah. said, hey, you know, we love our grandkids despite the fact that they're black. Despite the fact that they're black. Despite the fact that they're <laughs> black. So as a result of challenging her parents on this and, and other similar comments, yeah. the, the, there was a deterioration in the relationship between her parents and herself. Yeah. But something else she shared was going to a party with her husband. And her husband was told some racially demeaning things. Mm -hmm. And she was surprised at her response at the time because she's normally a very talkative, outspoken person. Right. But when she saw the person she loved so much, mm. the person she cherished so much, being treated in this manner, she was speechless yeah. and motionless. There was such a, a sharp pain in her gut that she couldn't do anything. Yeah, I, I thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, and then thank you for also sharing the other end of the spectrum uh, in, this, in this woman's experience of actually... Uh, having racism expressed to her children and to her husband. And I think it's such a, a metaphor for the, the scripture that we are really keying in on uh, today, which is uh, about the body. Because what I hear you saying is that, uh, that this white woman uh, sees this racism expressed to her children and to her husband, who she loves, and so she feels that pain. Yes. And, and this is exactly what, where I think the Apostle Paul is, uh, is teaching us about the body of Christ, that uh, when, uh, because we love each other uh, in Christ, if one part of the body suffers, we all feel it. Yes. Uh, and so that, uh, that when, when our black brothers and sisters are experiencing racism, uh, we feel that pain. And so uh, that's why every non-black member uh, of the body, every Christ follower, non-black Christ follower, is going to be uh, for our black brothers and sisters, and therefore against whatever is hurting them, against racism. And, uh, and Doug, uh, you and I have been uh, close friends for uh, many years. We're in the same community group, and, uh, and yet I've seen a huge change in you over this past year. Uh, over this past year, you have become highly engaged in first learning about racism uh, and actually trying to uh, find if you have any blind spots and rooting out those blind spots when it comes to prejudice or, uh, or racism, but also being highly energized in uh, breaking down uh, racial barriers and uh, and battling against racism wherever you uh, have an influence. Uh, can you tell me about what's motivated that change? Sure. I think uh, 
Fortunately, my wife and I both grew up in multiracial communities and so had some exposure early on, but I'd say largely through most of our life we've been pretty insulated. Yeah. But uh, this, this past year, with the rising tensions in our country that have been more evident than ever, we both felt as Christians there should be some way you know, for us to respond, but we weren't really sure how. Right? So we, uh, we actually uh, asked our community group <laughs> Yeah. They would pray for us because we felt, we felt led, but we didn't know, you know how to lead. So yeah. uh, be careful what you ask your community group to pray for because you could end up here. <laughs> but, uh, but truly, it's been amazing what God has done you know, through those prayers. When the, uh, when the Just Mercy series was announced, uh, Penny and I felt led you know, to, uh, to offer a discussion group. I had no idea you know, what would come with that, but uh, we had a very uh, good, diverse group of people who joined in that group and uh, openly shared from, from session one. I mean, after the first session, my wife and I were literally in tears. Tears. We could not, yeah. <laughs> could not believe how much people opened their hearts, you know, just with that, with that opportunity. And that, talk about the passion piece, that's like, <laughs> this is clearly what God wants and intends us to do. And uh, when that series was drawing to an end, you know, people clamored, they said, we can't, we can't stop this. Yeah. We, need to, we need to continue. And uh, that's where the first Wonders Embrace series uh, took off from. So the uh, Oneness Embraced, uh, that uh, is a book, which uh, I'm so glad that you're now offering that as a, a seminar to our whole church, uh, because as you know, we have a multiracial elder board, and uh, we decided to, as an elder board, uh, read Oneness Embraced by Dr. Tony Evans, and then study it and uh, uh, discuss it, and, and in that process, we just found uh, what a wonderful opportunity for us to open our hearts to each other, learn a, more about our journeys, uh, but especially just grow to understand and uh, love uh, each other even better. And so I'm really excited about now Oneness Embrace uh, being a seminar that's being offered to our whole church uh, starting Sunday, January 31st. Uh, but now, this is not reading a book, this is actually going to involve uh, little video clips each week. So uh, can you tell me a little bit about how the Oneness Embraced uh, seminar is going to go week to week, uh, Chris? Yes. So I'll start and then I'll let Doug tell you some more okay. about it. So as you said, Pastor Steve, it is based on a video series from okay. Tony Evans. And this, let me back up a bit and right. say something about Tony Evans. Tony Evans is a nationally known speaker, biblically based. Yeah. Um, he's a distinguished graduate from the Dallas Theological Seminary. Right. And he passes a multiracial church in Dallas. Now, the seminars, as we said, is done by Zoom. Mm -hmm. And it, it starts in January 31st. And it is for eight weeks. It is on Sundays from 12 noon. And the duration is an hour and a half. Okay. The typical format that the classes take is that we start off with prayer and a reflection on the previous week's material that we covered. Right. That lasts about 15 minutes. And then we have a 12 to 15 minutes video from Dr. Evans. These videos are very engaging and thought-provoking. Mm -hmm. And then when those videos are finished, then we break out into individual um, groups on Zoom about eight people per group okay. to have discussions for about 45 minutes. All right, now, do, does the person uh, need to know how to break up into a group, or does it happen automatically? Oh, the beauty about it is that you need to do nothing. The, the video, the Zoom meeting is 
normally hosted by Penny and Doug. Uh-huh. And the beauty is you just remain calm and they just do their <laughs> magic and you end up in a group, in okay. a room with eight persons. In your own little discussion group. All yes. right, then, uh, so you, you get us into a discussion group. What happens uh, then, Doug? Well, the discussion group, then we have questions that uh, reflect on the video that we just watched. And uh, nobody needs to feel compelled to talk. You can listen. Uh, people you know, share their reflections uh, on the videos that we watched. And uh, people have a lot of time. That's where some of the personal sharing has taken place you know, as well. But that's, that's really where I think the friendship bonds you know, are, uh, are developed. Uh, that's great. Well, so what I'm hearing is that uh, this Oneness Embrace seminar uh, begins Sunday, January 31st, runs for eight weeks. Uh, it's a video series. People don't need to read a book, uh, but just uh, watch the uh, video clip and then have a, a great life-giving uh, discussion with a small group. And uh, yes. that's, that sounds like really exciting. And I understand that people can register today. Uh, just register today that's for cool. uh, that class that uh, begins uh, January 31st. And uh, let's do it, BlackRock. Let's, uh, I really uh, am hoping that uh, people of all races uh, at BlackRock are going to be part of this uh, oneness-embraced uh, opportunity. And uh, this is a rare opportunity because, you know, uh, we are a, a multiracial church, and we'll have the opportunity to grow in oneness together as we're intentional in, uh, in getting to know each other, listen to each other's hearts. And uh, this is our, uh, our great privilege at BlackRock. It's, uh, it's what Jesus prayed for. Uh, as we learn in uh, the Gospel of John, Jesus prayed that we would be one uh, as his people and that uh, our unity would then uh, be a demonstration to our, our watching world, our hurting world, uh, that Jesus is the answer uh, for the world's uh, needs. And so uh, now we'll turn to Tamika Hodges as she shares a word and leads us in worship. I grew up with identity issues and I grew up in very affluent Fairfield County, Connecticut with a very diverse group of people that I went to school with. So diverse that I loved everybody except me. It was such a hard thing to grow up in the 80s and 90s without people to identify with on the TV. The only person that I could connect with was the woman in good times, the, the mom, because she looked closer to what I looked like. And I hated myself. I hated myself because I was a round, brown woman with kinky hair and big lips and not a lot of people looked like me. Now, I grew up as a band kid and a drama kid. I would be able to tell stories and internalize all the angst that I had on the inside of me by performing. I would be able to get it all out in performance, but I did not realize that because of the in deep, deep hatred that I had on the inside of me with my skin color, that I was being racist and prejudiced against myself and my own people. That was very difficult for me to realize as I grew up because I could not identify with anyone else but what I saw in the media who, when people were going in, on drive-by shootings or people who were doing drugs. And that's when Jesus came in on the scene. When he came in on the scene, it changed the narrative entirely. He was able to rip the veil between black and white, woman and man, slave and free, 
I didn't realize that I was a slave to what I was seeing on, in the media. I didn't realize that I was a slave to the things that people were saying to me that were not true. You see, racism is not a, a skin issue, it's a sin issue. And if we don't go to the heart of the matter, which is what is in our hearts, we, it, we will find it hard to be able to outgrow or overcome racism, overcome prejudice, overcome what we're experiencing in America right now. My brothers and sisters in Christ, my experience may not be the same as yours, but what I do ask you to do is come to the table and reason with one another so we can get this thing resolved. It starts in the heart and it's all about Christ. And what a beautiful name it is. You were the word at the beginning, the one with God, the Lord Most High. Your hidden glory in creation now revealed in you, are Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Christ my King what a beautiful name it is nothing compares to this what a beautiful name it is the name of Jesus Glory for you are raised to 
As always, today in our worship, Jesus has been our focus. Jesus, what a beautiful name it is, and what a beautiful salvation he brings into our lives individually and corporately. How beautiful it is that he unites us as his people into the body of Christ, and together we become in him the hope of this world. BlackRock, let's both celebrate the unity that we have, but let's grow to intentionally deepen our embrace of each other and our oneness in Christ. Let's pray. Oh Jesus, we thank you for uh, the beauty of your work in our lives. Thank you for your beautiful plan for us as individual followers, but Lord, we also just celebrate your beautiful plan for us together at BlackRock as the body, as your body. Lord, we pray that you would not only allow us to, uh, to be one, but to grow in this oneness as we intentionally reach out uh, to become family uh, to each other, even uh, to reach out to people that don't look like us in this congregation. And then, Lord, as you work out this beautiful unity um, among us, would you then allow us to shine out this beautiful light of unity into our hurting, divided world? For your glory, Jesus, we pray it. Amen. <laughs> 